Welcome back to the podcast. Where the heck have I been? Maybe a question that you have may not because I haven't recorded the podcast for a while. And I do have to say in my defense, I know my word for the year is is and was and will remain consistency. And I have not been very consistent, but in my defense, I did record a podcast and I didn't post it, and I think it is going to stay on the cutting room floor. I have been debating back and forth for several days about should I post this podcast that I recorded, and I just can't pull the plug on it and just post it. It was a very emotional podcast. I cried quite a bit throughout the podcast. I was very emotionally charged when I recorded it. It was coming off of a very dark part of my life, and for whatever reason, I just was having all of these mixed feelings about posting it. And then the more that I didn't post it and agonized over the decision to post it, the more I didn't record this podcast and it just became this vicious cycle of like, every time I'm like, oh, I need to talk to them. And then I'm like, but should I post what I recorded? And then I'm like, uh, it might be too much and they might judge. Not that I ever think that you would judge me, but I just, for whatever reason, had so many conflicting feelings about my real vulnerability and being really raw in that podcast. And maybe it was just meant for me to get out there verbally, but not actually meant to be published. So we'll definitely touch upon stuff that I shared in that podcast, but I am definitely in a better headspace now. And maybe this was the podcast that was meant to be shared. So I had a slip. Um, I maybe you could call it relapsed with my binge emotional sobriety eating. Um, And so we will touch on that and kind of what happened and where I'm going from there now. Um, I can't really pinpoint, but I mean, I've shared in this podcast that since the woman, I mean, I feel like I can trace it back to the woman that was my seamstress before my wedding (laughs) last year, um, when she told me I couldn't lose any more weight before the wedding, I don't know what happened back then, but something like shifted in me and I went into maintenance mode. And as I very openly shared, I've had a hard time getting out of it and like dropping the next 10 pounds. So we've talked about this. That's out in the open. I've been very clear about that. Um, then a shift happened again, where I couldn't quite get my momentum and my feet on the ground when Weight Watchers switched to the personal points. And I just felt off of my game and just, I've shared very openly about that, that I just haven't quite figured it out and got my footing and that kind of threw me for a loop. Going into the holidays, I was in a funk, kind of, sort of, Joe was working. It was another holiday in a pandemic. I just was in a weird headspace and funky and felt in a funk. And just um, when after the holidays, the pandemic skyrocketed in the area where I live, like Omicron was just through the charts to numbers that we couldn't even wrap our minds around. It threw me for another loop. And I've actually talked a lot about this and it makes sense in my 12-step recovery. 
So as you know, or may not know if you're a new listener, I always feel bad for people that jump into the podcast, like find it randomly and haven't like been on this journey because I just start talking to you like we've been talking for the last two years. (laughs) I never, I I sometimes try to like re-explain things, but then I forget. And so if you're a new listener, Hi, I'm Sheila. I've lost 40 pounds with Weight Watchers and I'm in 12-step recovery and I try to blend the two, my WW Weight Watchers with my Al-Anon 12-step recovery. In my meetings recently, we've been talking a lot about, and I've been sharing and getting feedback from other Al-Anon members, that this pandemic is kind of traumatizing for us because it feels a lot like a relationship with an alcoholic. Obviously, you can't control an alcoholic. They're up, then they're down. They're high, then they're crashed. They're, there's no predictability. Life is on hold. You're trying to like predict their moves so that you can stay safe. And I've just been wondering why I just have a lot of intense feelings about the pandemic. And especially when the this Omicron wave hit, thank goodness it's on the downward trend and things are improving. But for a while there, we would just talk in meetings about it feels like being in a relationship with an alcoholic. Like we thought we were out of the woods and then the numbers are spiking again. And, you know, there's anyways, I don't want to get political about it at all. I love everybody. I want everybody to be healthy and safe. It's just it's a lot for those of you that are listening that has trauma that have lived with addiction um, I'm sure you can relate on some level that this is really hard for us when things are just this unpredictable, this scattered, this intense, this whatever. So that kind of happened at the beginning of January where I was just really in a triple funk because I'm like, this is not getting better. You know, obviously we're all reaching that reality that COVID is here to stay. It's going to be what endemic we're going to have to live with it. But, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow and how life is going to move forward and all the conflicting feelings about it. And I was just like feeling it intensely in my soul and having mixed feelings about everything, feeling for the parents and everyone talking about mass and feeling for the, you know, those that don't want the mass and want the mass. Like I just sometimes feel like I'm in the middle of the alcoholic and not that I'm saying one side is the alcoholic and one isn't, but like both of my arms are being pulled and I have sympathy and compassion and I'm trying to be open-minded for everyone's points of view and opinions. And, um, I just felt really like overwhelmed. So what did I do? I do what any addict does best. So I'm in 12-step recovery because I grew up with an alcoholic, but definitely the addiction gene is in my system because this podcast, I'm, I'm like addicted to food, right? I throw myself into food um, and I don't do that as much anymore, but that's why I gained a lot of weight and got to over, you know, 233 pounds. Um, I th- can have addictive tendencies towards work and creative endeavors where I escape into that. So I have to be careful because I teeter on this teeter-totter between I'm passionate about something and I throw all my energy into it and then I burn out and I, I push too hard. I stay up too late every night. I'm all systems go and then I crash and burn. So 
in January when I was in a funk and I was feeling like I need change in my life, I need excitement, I need happiness, I need joy, I need to get out of this funk, I threw myself into work and a lot of creative endeavors and um, just got a little obsessive about it. And so leading into this health appointment, I think I was burning the candle at both ends plus the remodel, plus, you know, you know, the whole scoop and was, um, developing some really unhealthy work habits, some unhealthy, not balanced life routines, like lots of time on my phone and working late at night and in front of my computer and forgetting about meditation and forgetting snacking late at night because I was stressed and, some of my basic habits that I have learned that helped me lose weight and maintain my weight kind of went out the window. As I tried to escape my funk, I escaped right into an addictive, creative work choice. So um, I think I was also trying to distract myself from this health thing that I had to, this appointment I had to deal with. So went into that appointment and... Um, what happened was it always starts as like a little simple thing. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to celebrate by doing this finally, <laughs> sticking with the appointment, and I'm going to treat myself to a chocolate chip cookie. I wanted to kind of go with the philosophy of half size me, which is basically she says, she's a podcaster, and she's like, if you crave the Oreo, if you crave the cookie, Go to the gas station and get get it, one of them. Don't get the whole bag at the grocery store or Costco. Eat that, bring it home. And that effort of like driving there, buying the one thing, just eating that will help put some checkpoints and limits to avoid a binge. So I thought after my appointment, I'll go pick up one cookie from my favorite bakery and that will be my treat. Well, after the appointment, I just wanted to go straight home. So I didn't stop. And I'm going to walk you through how I lost my emotional sobriety and how in the course of like four days, I completely abandoned Weight Watchers and went in a very destructive path. Um, so I came home and I decided to bake my Weight Watchers one point chocolate chip cookies. But for something happened in the course of me doing that, where I ended up pulling out another recipe book and made these cookies that I, these chocolate chip cookies that I grew up with from this special cookbook. And they are like all sugar. So it's the kind of cookie that you bite into and you can literally taste like all of the individual grains of sugar. It's like straight up sugar held, held together by gobs of butter in chocolate chip cookie form. I know that sounds really disgusting, but you taste them and they taste like heavenly bakery indulgent chocolate chip cookies. So somehow the train derailed and I was not making the Weight Watchers cookies and I'm like, I'm just going to make these cookies. It's fine. So I made those, proceeded to eat a ton. And then the next day, Joe was going to stop at the grocery store because he was going to pick me up flowers and when he was off work, and I proceeded to then ask him to bring me ice cream. And he threw up some questions that could have been checks for me to like check myself. He's like, are you sure this is going to fit in the fridge? And what flavor do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. Just get, 
he's like, oh, you know, Joe is the kind of person that doesn't want to deal with like the minuscule questions. So he's more the type of person, oh, you don't know what flavor you want. I'll just get you all the flavors. And I didn't have the mental capacity to do my usual, like I'm always talking about in the podcast, ask questions. Do you want to bring this in the house? How much do you want? I mean, there was no problem solving. I had just gone rogue, just totally rogue. So he brought over ice cream. And then within the course of those days, I was eating these very sugar heavy chocolate chip cookies, like six of them, seven of them in a day. I was eating pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream in the middle of the day, um, packed with sugar. Now, one of the things that I've been very proud of myself on my Weight Watchers journey for the past two years is I'm not, I'm eating sugar, but it's not like this kind of processed sugar. I eat my fruit. I eat a lot of things sweetened with stevia or monk fruit. I've just drastically cut back my sugar. So my system, not only was I dealing with coming off of this you know, intense health thing that I was dealing with, with all this anxiety that I had going into the appointment after the appointment, just my mind, I've told you before, health concerns and me, it's, it's a trigger for me. People that have, when you experience post-traumatic stress or stress like this, sometimes there's certain aspects of your life where you fall into fear and you obsess about things. My thing is things related to health, doctors, my health that I can't control. What if scenarios going on dark alleys of my mind with health? Like it's, it's hard. It's, um, it's where I lose faith the fastest. I just can go into a really scary, um, feeling out of control, anxious, panic mindset. And so I put my body through a lot when this happens, right? Cause I'm very anxious and really stressed out. So I've got that all going on and now I am just totally off the rails and pumping myself full of the most sugar that I've had in two years. I'm, like I said, eating seven, eight, nine cookies a day, polishing off pints of ice cream. Um, And you can kind of tell when I recorded this podcast before uh, to put into words how dysfunctional this was and how off the rails I was and I was just in a really bad mental space and so anyways um so I was eating the ice cream then it was Valentine's Day um and I decided to get a $50 box of C's candy so um yeah and so in one day cookies ice cream and then I probably had 10 to 15 pieces of C's candy. Um, it's all kind of like a blur. <laughs> it's all, it was a binge. It was totally lack of emotional sobriety because I, in, during all of this, like I said, was in a complete anxious, the sky is falling. I feel horrible. I'm a failure. It was... Um, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, and then I think I broke. I broke myself because the day after the C's candy episode, I woke up and I felt not good. And I was 
starving. So I thought I broke myself and my blood sugar because from the moment I woke up that day, I couldn't eat enough food. I felt like my body was constantly hungry. And if I didn't eat like every hour on the hour, I felt like I would go into a complete um, starvation. Like, I don't know, my stomach just, it felt like I had a hole in my stomach. And sometimes that happens in the past when I used to eat, like, let's say a smoothie for breakfast, because I wanted to be like everybody else that drinks smoothies for breakfast. The blood sugar intensity from that smoothie would make me be so hungry for the rest of the day that I would be so famished and irritable if I didn't eat like every second of the day. Something about that much sugar in that fruit just threw my whole blood sugar off. So after this intense sugar binge, I felt like I had broke myself. Like I fundamentally broke my blood sugar and I was in, it was bad. Of course, then that spiraled me into a whole nother health crisis fiasco. You know, as as I'm talking about it, this is why it's so hard for me to record this podcast because I feel like people aren't going to understand. They're going to think I'm crazy. I can only tell you my experience and what I go through. And a lot of you comment, you appreciate my honesty and vulnerability. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I am, um, I, I wish I was perfect and I don't wish I was perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm just a human. I'm a human and I am so humanly flawed. Um, so I probably had a good three or four days of eating just so much sugar. It's out of unbelievable. Um, and I wasn't even like, I don't even know what I was thinking. I honestly feel like I can't articulate it. Like I just went into a binge. I just went into an addiction, lost my, my sobriety. And I just was in a world of, I can eat sugar whenever I want as much as I want. And I had little glimmers of like when I was on my like 12th piece of C's candy, I thought I should eat. I need protein. I'm not going to, you know, and I went to the fridge and I ate a hard boiled egg and then I went back and ate like five more pieces of C's candy. There was, I, I was not in my right mental headspace. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought I broke myself and then I got really freaked out because you don't want to mess with your blood sugar. You don't, it's scary. And when the thing that I valued so much about my health journey up until this point is one, I couldn't stand my body dictating, like I want my body to dictate healthy living, but I couldn't stand when I was not in my health journey and I felt this way where I was hungry all the time, irritable on these weird roller coaster mood swings where I would eat sugar and then crash. And I, it was honestly the first major time in two years where I, I felt like I had this bird's eye view of how far I had come and then how I had just thrown it all in the trash can. And I thought I had just like really messed it up. So... I, oh my God, I don't even know like where to go from this other than um, 
I had to think quick on my feet. I was like researching on my, I was going to Google and I was like, how can I reverse getting my blood sugar out of control? Like, how do I reverse this? How do I reverse this horrible feeling of being so hungry all the time and feeling like I have a blood sugar crash or something? And it said, eat a lot of fiber, eat a lot of protein um, and drink a lot of water. So that's what I did for the next two days. I remember after I read that, I ran to the kitchen. I pulled out the spinach. Now, I usually like to cook my spinach when I eat it. I pulled the spinach out and I dumped a Popeye amount in a bowl, doused it in Bolt House Ranch, threw some broccoli that I had left over, cut up a hard-boiled egg, and I just went to town on that. Like It was my life depended on it. And would you know it, it did make me feel, my stomach didn't feel great, but it did satiate me. And I think it start it like jump-started my body to remember like, hey, remember when we were healthy? How about we like try that again? So, um, man, I... I don't even know like how to put this into words other than, like I said, I, I cried a lot the two days after this total sugar binge. I cried a lot because one, I felt like I, my body and I had gone through a divorce, like a separation. Like for the last two years, I felt so connected to my body, to my stomach, to my my blood sugar to my nourishment. I felt in such union with myself. The questions I ask, the food I feed myself, I just have felt so for the first time in my life as someone that disassociates and leaves my body at the drop of a hat to escape. For the first time in my life in two years, I felt like I had come home to myself and was treating myself right and nice. And I was so emotional about it because I felt like I had split from my body and I was like having to chase after her, like, no, come back, like be with me again. I promise I'll make this right. Like we need to, to be in union together again, like be with me again. Um, I'm sorry. I just, um, I was so sad that I had recklessly <laughs> done that to me in, in the time that I needed it the most, when my body was needing to heal, when my body was needing the most love and attention, I suddenly decided to go on this sugar bender and leave my body reeling and just it revolted. It was, um, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to my sponsor in Alamon about it. And, you know, she said, you know, sometimes you got to hit rock bottom again to really appreciate and climb yourself back up and, and not take for granted, not get complacent about your real values. Like maybe this will solidify even more your value system. Another thing that happened in all of this that was challenging is in this January to February work, creativity, abandon everything, burnout mode that I had put myself in, I forgot to track my period. 
tracking my cycle has been essential. I wrote about it a ton in SJBFFs. Um, I talk, I've talked a lot about in this podcast about writing my instruction manual, getting to know my body, like, and part of that is knowing my cycle because obviously in a cycle, there's times when your hormones are at different places, you're more emotional, you, your body is in the luteal phase and wants to eat more. Like I did a whole week study of this inside of SJBFFs and, um, that was that went out the window when I bulldozed ahead with my willpower and self-will. And so in the middle of all of this, when my body was revolting and I was craving all this sugar and eating it all, I went to my flow app and I had no record of where I was in my cycle. And that sent me in a tailspin because I didn't have any data to go off of like, oh yeah, it's a time of month where you're susceptible to craving this. Or it would have just made life a little bit better if I knew where I was in space and time with like my hormones and all of that. So on several levels, in in my 12-step recovery, we talk a lot about, you know, in in 12 step recovery nobody is handcuffing you to the, the to the chair at the meeting you can come and go as you please you know you can get a sponsor and not work your program and not show up to meetings and your sponsor fires you or you say i can't do this anymore and you can leave no one's going to come running after you no one's going to say you need this program or else your life is going to fall apart like you are under your own free will And so we talk a lot in 12-step recovery about this spiritual bank account. When you go to 12-step meetings, when you read your daily readers, when you meet with your sponsor, you know, now I'm a sponsor to sponsees, all of this stuff puts spiritual money in my spiritual bank account. And my life can be moving along, la-di-da-di-da, serenity, and I keep showing up to meetings and depositing money in, like you deposit money for a rainy day, you know, with your actual finances. And then if something comes up in your life that throws, you know, life on life's terms and throws you off course, you have money, spiritual money in your hypothetical spiritual bank account that you can pull from for those rainy days when you are at your worst and you've built up all this recovery so your faith is strong, your support system is strong, and you can lean on that that savings to help you even more during the hard times. What often happens in 12-step recovery is people come into recovery at rock bottom. The 12-step recovery helps them. Their life improves with a sponsor and meetings and all of the stuff. And then they go back into self-will and think, oh, I'm better now. I don't need it. They leave the program. Then life on life's terms happens and things fall apart. And then they've lost that spiritual bank account. So they go to pull from it because their life has hit rock bottom again and there's nothing there. So it's like keep showing up. And that's essentially why I blended 12-step recovery with my Weight Watchers program and this podcast, because it's the same concept. You know, like every day, and my sponsor said this to me, discipline is freedom. 
She's like, every day for the last two years, you have been showing up and depositing money into your health account when you reach for the hard-boiled egg, when you track your points, when you go to a Weight Watchers meeting, when you show up for your podcast, when you you know, stay within your points for the week, when you do your two-mile walk. Like That's adding to your health bank account. And so when you have that discipline every single day to do those little steps, it's gave you freedom. You felt better. You felt light on your feet. You felt like you could move in the world at a, at a, a joyful, light pace. You weren't bogged down by the sugar crashes. You weren't, you know, chained to food and all the food you had to eat like you used to be. Like you just had more freedom. But with that freedom was all the stuff that people don't see the discipline every single day to choose your health journey. And that's what you lost along the way, Sheila, (laughs) she told me. So how do you get that back? And I'm like, well, one step at a time, one second at a time. I got to start depositing some money in by reaching for the spinach salad and cooking up some hard-boiled eggs and and trusting because my body felt so like I told you, it broke, like my blood sugar, it all broke. So I felt like I am going to be like this forever. And that's what I reasoned out with her. In, It's very easy to go to black and white thinking. And I went to a place that was like, I'm going to feel like this forever. I ruined everything. And she's like, you got to just start depositing the money again, step by step, one second at a day, one choice at a time. Choose a healthy choice one second at a time. And you may feel horrible for a week, a day, just for this half of a day. We don't know that. But just like we know that feelings aren't facts and don't last forever, I trust that when you have the faith to nourish yourself with healthy foods, you will get out of this funk. What happened with all the sugar that I consumed and not tracking my time of the month and the stress that I put myself by being totally anxious for the health thing, I went into a deep, dark depression state where I did not want to get out of bed. I tend to be on the spectrum where I, I, the, the dial moves towards anxiety. I don't, I rarely feel depressed. I am more on the total panic anxiety side of the spectrum But with all that I had been going through and the sugar and the crash and all of that, I went into a, I don't want to get out of bed. Everything is horrible. I've ruined my life. Dark, a dark state of mind. And, um, and that was, that was really scary as well to just be, to just feel so, um, so, Like I just wanted to pull up the covers and don't bother me and just let me be in this hole of like victimhood and despair. So I did, I I started with my discipline again, consistency again, the spinach salad, the hard boiled eggs, get some soup in the fridge. And I just whittled away. I chipped away at it. It felt like I was pulling myself out of quicksand. Um, and that my feet were so, my whole body was heavy and I was having to just like grasp my legs and pull them out of the quicksand to try to like make the next right choice. Um, 
Wow, it was wild. It was a wild ride because for the last two years, you know, the first year of my Weight Watchers journey, I just really was disciplined and lost the 40 pounds within like, I think a year and a half. Um, Got, yeah. So, um, it was, it was, you know, I've had times where I've gone off the rails a little bit, but nothing like this, where it was just like a full blown, just may pandemonium mayhem. Um, and that's the thing is, you know, I, I've never been an alcoholic, but I, I bring it up a lot, 12 step recovery in my podcast. And I listened to a lot of podcasts and people who shared their 12 step recovery in AA journey, Alcoholics Anonymous. And they will say like every day I wake up and I know it could be the day that I choose the drink and every day I wake up and I choose recovery and it is an active, mindful choice that takes every ounce of my energy every day. Even if I've been in recovery for 30 years, I know that every day is a day that I could lose my sobriety and it's not something to mess around with. And um, so I, I, although I do not want to say that my experience is in any way related to anybody that has drug addiction or alcoholism, you know, we, we all get it. We can pull things and resonate with things within our different you know, communities and mindsets. And I really saw firsthand how quickly, not that I thought I was going to lose my whole weight loss journey, but how quickly it was for me to go into a totally numbed out, disassociated mindset. I mean, I was just like, yeah, the ice cream. Yeah, the seeds. I don't need the box of four seeds candies. Get the $50 box. It was like, I was not even rooted on planet earth. I was just in, I was, I, I checked out, packed my bags, bye body, see you later. I'm going to go just be in la la land. (laughs) Um, and then the ramifications came from that. And the beauty of it is I went, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, nope, nope. That's not the life for me anymore. I don't want to do that. I, like I said, have felt for the last two years so not imprisoned by my eating. Before Weight Watchers, I lived and breathed for food. I felt like food controlled me. Um, that when I was happy, sad, it was food that I was my friend. That there was no greater comfort than binging at night on all the sweets and all the carbs that I would wake up in the morning in pain and like stiff joints and barely able to get out of bed. I would move throughout the day like a million bricks were resting on my body and I just felt like I could just collapse with exhaustion at any chance I could take. I felt like just trapped in this heavy mental space and and with Weight Watchers and with losing the weight, you know, the whole body positivity movement, um, I sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, like I don't, I'm afraid to say I was on a diet. It worked, it, it kind of worked for me. Like it was, it was really good for me. Like sometimes we've talked about it's, we're living in a day and age where 
body positivity is so important and I'm not discounting that, but it's almost made some of us, I think, feel bashful to say like, I'm choosing to be on a diet because I disassociated. I'm addicted. I, you know, I, what about my blood pressure? What about my blood sugar? What about like, there are reasons why for me, I am choosing that I am in denial of my health. (laughs) I am not admitting that I have an addiction and I am not just doing this because I hate my body. I'm doing this because actually my cravings are running the show and my and it's getting out of hand. And I'm actually an addiction, not body positivity. <laughs> and um and so yeah, I I just that's where I that's where I was the last two weeks was in that. And in the beauty of all of this, I don't listen on a regular basis to the Glennon Doyle podcast. So Glennon Doyle is a goddess. She wrote Untamed. Um, I know a lot of you that listen to this podcast love her and I do too. Um, But I don't listen to her podcast, which is interesting. But for whatever reason, The day that I finally started to feel, the day after I went on my spinach eating kick and I was starting to kind of not feel like I was in this perpetual hunger um, cycle, on my phone popped up on Instagram that she had recorded this podcast about losing her sobriety to her a food disorder over the holidays and she recorded a podcast about it. And so, yes, you have a homework assignment. Everyone that's listening, I'm giving you homework. Have I ever given you homework before? I don't think I have. You have a homework assignment. Those of you that are not in SJBFFs, you do not need to report back. But those of you in SJBFFs, I'd love to have a conversation with you in our private Facebook group about this podcast. Please, for your homework assignment, listen to her podcast where she talks about um, losing her, relapsing her um, eating disorder over the holidays. It couldn't have come in a more perfect timing for me. And I'm not saying that I'm like her or our stories are the same, but there was something about listening to her podcast that I related to so much and just having gone through over a week of... um. Losing my emotional sobriety and faith with just the whole health thing. Um, and then losing my food sobriety with the whole sugar binge. And, you know, where do we go from there? What what do we do? Um, the greatest freedom that I had, have had in my weight loss journey is when I came out on the podcast and I'm like, I'm a food addict. I'm just, I... I have no problem saying that to people if they ask me or if it comes up in conversation or just to actually say it to myself felt like freedom, felt like honesty, authenticity, felt like, you know, truth. And it felt like I could hold on to something that like, yes, this is a battle. I don't need an excuse for it to be a battle, but like every day I need to wake up and choose sobriety 
because I am a food addict. So this is not, this is going to be a challenging journey for me that I'm going to have to choose every day. And although society has deemed food addiction as not threatening and not like it's socially acceptable, it's, it's, it's a problem for me. It's, it's an addiction. And although my dad's alcoholism might look different, I can't be the pot calling the kettle black and point fingers at him when I have my own addiction and it's worth looking at and to not be in denial about. So, so yes. So please listen to her podcast on that. You know, even if, you know, I don't have experience with binging and purging, um, And so, but there's themes in it that really resonated and were important for me after having gone through what I went through and just the hope other people experience this. We, we, we have, you know, we relapse and, and what, and where, where do you go from there? And what do you do from there? Um, so where, what, what am I doing now? How am I getting through this? First of all, I'm not weighing myself. I may weigh myself tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. That's my weigh-in day. You know that I advocate for everyday weigh-ins, but I can advocate. You know, I don't advocate for that. Like you have, everybody has to do what they think is right. And for a lot of my journey, I needed, I wanted to weigh myself every day because I had no relationship with the scale. I had no mindfulness of how much I weighed. I had total dysmorphia of what I look like in the mirror and how much weight I had gained, that it was important for me to get on that scale and be like, this is real life. You can't run away from this. This is your real life. Now look at the number and let's work through how you're beating yourself up because of the number. Let's like challenge some of these dialogues. So it was a really good practice for me to to develop a relationship with the scale. When I reached maintenance and got to 188 and was trying to weigh myself every day, I think what happened was when I got to Wonderland, I mean, there were huge leaps and bounds that the scale would drop, right? In that first year when you're just like really on plan and you're seeing these big numbers drop on the scale and it's just like all of this pat on the back and just like, it's so great. Just wait for your miracle. If you've just started this journey um, and you really track your points and you're eating the good food and you give it a, a year and a half or a couple years, it's it's pretty amazing to see that number drop on the scale when you put in that effort. But when I had hit maintenance for the wedding and then coming off of maintenance, I think what was happening is I was getting on the scale every day, every week, and like thinking I was still going to see these numbers dropping. And I think I had a mental head game when it just was like not budging. And the closer you get to goal, obviously these increments of losing weight are going to be so tight. And it's, you know, I've talked about in the podcast, there's so much fine tuning that has to happen that's delicate to get to the goal because you've already kind of reached the um, rhythm of what you eat in a day that's gotten you to a really healthy place. And it's going in and like super fine tuning portions and stuff to like even drop that little bit. So I think that 
was kind of going on and I was just really beating myself up because the scale would like get to 188, then bounce back to 190 and then get to 187 and bounce back to 190. And I was just like, so I decided I need to not do that. And maybe I'll start with just weighing myself once a week or once a month. I haven't officially decided yet. This is going to all be a delicate transition for me to figure out how to do this. Um, Because I'm not someone that's going to be able to come on here and be like, I got to Wonderland. Perfect. I got to mate. I did maintenance. Perfect. I got to goal weight. It's all perfect. No, (laughs) I have never been that way. I am self-sabotage central. I am, you know, it's life on life's terms. I I sometimes got the struggle going on and I need time to wrap my mind around things. And anyways, so um, it's going to take a bit for me to figure this all out for what works for me. So that's kind of a first step. I'm getting now back to really tracking um, and being consistent with that. I am choosing healthy choices. Uh, I've got my, I didn't tell you, but I'm back on hard-boiled eggs. Now I'm forgetting like what I said in that previous podcast and I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I actually have to because you never heard that other podcast. I've been telling you that eggs taste like dirty water and I thought my taste buds changed and that I hated hard-boiled eggs, even though I had loved them and they had really been helping me out. Well, I figured out what happened. I was buying the the cheap Costco eggs and the cheap Costco eggs for me, when they're boiled, they taste like dirty boiled eggs. And when I bought like the eggs that are pasture, whatever, cage-free, organic, like they have the orange yolks, like they're super healthy. They eat a three course meal a day. I bought those and hard boiled them and they tasted amazing. So I think... If you're going to go the route of hard-boiled eggs, get the really good eggs and save those eggs for the hard-boiled and maybe like if you use eggs for everything else, which I just get the Costco eggs, but for my hard-boiled eggs, go for the good ones. So I'm back on my hard-boiled eggs and um, I'm just telling myself that on this journey, There's seasons, and we've talked about this before, seasons where it's all about the Weight Watchers program. But I believe like 90% of this weight loss journey is mental and a mental connection to me, my mental health, my soul, my inner world. And that is as much important as just the actual program, whatever program you're on. And so right now I'm in a season and I'm in a journey where I have got to get my mental health back in a good spot. And it is, that's been challenging for me. So that is really what I'm focusing on. Obviously, I don't want to get above 200. I'm kind of dreading getting on the scale tomorrow um, just because I don't know what's gone on in the last two weeks. And I don't know how that will be reflected on the scale. I haven't been walking like that's another thing is after my health thing I and then the sugar I was only like 
I could only do like one lap before feeling exhausted. And then I tried two laps. And today was the first day in like over a week that I was able to get out and do my two miles again. Um, And I know that I want to up my exercise. And it's such a good time of year to do it anyways. Like spring and summer, I just am more motivated to to weight lift. (laughs) Not that I weight lift, but like my Lucy Wyndham Reed videos and more cardio and just, so I'm looking forward to that. But that has also been on the back burner is that I just haven't had the energy to like work out. And that's why I was so grateful that I listened to the Half Size Me podcast and she came out, this was years ago that I listened to her and she's like, don't base your weight loss journey on being a marathon runner or like hardcore exercise because she didn't use the term life on life's terms. I use that terminology. But like when life on life's terms happens and let's say you can't go out every day and run the three miles, is that going to be drastic, you know, hit to your weight loss. And so leading up to this, I was walking two miles a day, you know, kind of power walking, but um, it's not like I went from hardcore to nothing. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. um, And then I know I just have to get in the right mental frame of mind, get really good. I'm actually going to be coming out with a video on my YouTube channel this week with all my strategies for how to track points. Um, I have like lots of different strategies that I've learned over the last two years. And it was a great video to film and do because it just revved up my mind again of like, oh yeah, do this, try this. So that's going to be coming out this week on my YouTube channel on Wednesday, which will be linked. It's on my website too. Uh, uh, If you go to my SheilaJane.co website, I have a whole weight loss like portal and all my YouTube videos, like you can access that there as well. Um, So that's kind of, you know, it's just easing back into it. Everything about this journey is not you know, we have this really weird visual in Al-Anon, which is like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I think it's weird. I don't like that whole expression, (laughs) but it is kind of true. Like when you really go off the rails, when you lose your health journey, when things feel all backwards and upside down, it's just dip one toe in, make one little choice. It, I think, especially as women, we beat ourselves up when we complete, we think we've completely failed. It's always black and white. We've totally failed. And then when we're like ready to jump back on, it's like, we have to do it all perfectly. Now we've, we've jumped from black and now we're in the white. And I want us to embrace the gray area because this journey is so much about little, tiny, consistent, disciplined, increments that lead to health freedom. They're the tiny seconds of the day of making tiny choices that lead to progress. And discipline is not easy. And one thing that I kept thinking about while I was going through this was good old Brene Brown. I've mentioned Glennon Doyle. We also love us some Brene Brown. And her book, Daring Greatly, was like life-changing for me. And she shared her favorite quote um, 
in that book. Let me pull it up here. Um, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. And I'm going to pause here. So she wrote a whole book on this Teddy Roosevelt quote. And this quote has profoundly changed my life. Her book profoundly changed my life. And I can't wait to have this quote printed in in my house someday if the house ever gets remodeled. (laughs) So it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. There's an arena, the weight loss, you know, wanting to be on a health journey arena, I was thinking about how so many people have come and gone from this podcast. We'll listen, you know, maybe it's a new year, they jumped on board, and then life on life's terms happened and we lost them. Like we didn't actually lose them, but something came up in their life, it was too hard, and they stepped off the WW weight loss journey. And I'm so grateful that some, some have come back that some of our friends leave and then we welcome them with open arms when they come back. The arena is brutal. It is dusty. It is a battlefield. This health journey, this weight loss journey is no joke. It's not like one, two, three, TikTok dance, snap your fingers and you have a before and after and it was just easy peasy. It is choosing a weight loss journey, is stepping into the arena and being brave and courageous It's striving valiantly and it's airing, it's having mistakes, it's relapses, it's, it's, um, it's dust thrown in your face. It's brutal. It's hard. Discipline is hard because it's that daily choice and life is hard. Life on life's terms is hard. And sometimes the society favors numbing out. You know, yes, we all need rest. We need to relax. But sometimes it's pick up the phone and get lost in someone else's life. It's go to the fridge, get the food. It's just like disassociation. It's hard to be in the arena, have your wits about you, have choices being thrown at you and trying to move forward and choose the healthy choice as best you can over long periods of time. The weight loss just doesn't come off and then you're like fixed. Or at least it doesn't work that way for me. It's like a lifelong journey. I'm going to have to show up in the arena for the rest of my life. Strive to do the deeds. Who knows great enthusiasm. This journey is filled with miracles and amazing gifts fitting into the dress. People complimenting you look great. You feel healthier. 
a positive experience at the doctor with blood tests or whatever, blood pressure. I mean, there's a lot of enthusiasms. Um, it's a worthy cause. Um, and then the last part, in the end of, of uh, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. I mean, hopefully we won't all fail, but like, it's, it's, we're going out on a limb. We're going out on a limb. Our egos are fragile. The ego does not want to have failure and will fight at all costs to save me from humiliation, to save me from, oh, see, I told you, I told you this weight loss journey wasn't going to work. I told you you were going to be addicted to sugar and eat all that sugar. Don't try anymore. Just give up. Let's just be safe. Let's not put ourselves, let's not step into the arena. We know food works. We know being addicted to food works and is what we've done our whole lives to cope. Let's just like go back to that pattern. You you know, it's not unhealthy. It's okay. That's what the ego is constantly battling me. You know, it wants me to stay in the, the safe patterns, even if those patterns are not healthy. And I have to be like, no, I am in charge of this ship. I am the captain. I am writing the instruction manual. I'm going to dust myself off. I'm stepping back into the arena and we are going for round 50. <laughs> like, I've got this. Um, so she's wrote a whole book about this and she says, when we spend our lives waiting until we're perfect or bulletproof before we walk into the arena, we ultimately sacrifice relationships and opportunities that may not be recoverable. We squander our precious time and we turn our backs on our gifts, those unique contributions that only we can make. Perfect and bulletproof are seductive, but they don't exist in the human experience. I think we really have to question where black and white thinking and perfectionism is in our health journey. And if it is the biggest stumbling block that is holding us back. I really didn't like how deep and lost I got with sugar and my emotional sobriety going off the rails. It was not a good thing. And I was in a dark headspace. But when did I say or sign a paper that said this health journey would be perfect? No, I, by choosing this health journey, I stepped into the arena, the dusty, dirty arena that with had life on life's terms being thrown out. I'm dodging arrows. I'm dodging whatever else is in the Roman times in the arena. I don't know. Charging chariots. (laughs) I'm dodging stuff. And I am just like, showing up because the more I'm in the arena, the stronger I get, the more experience I get, the more tools I get. And I might fall down. I may have to step out of the arena and take a break, but I'm getting back in because it's worth it. And I have no false pretenses. Even if society makes it look really easy and the before and after photos I know that this health journey is a human experience and hard and challenging and there's no room for perfectionism. Um, so there you have it with her quote. Um, I hope you're in the arena with me. I don't, 
I, I hope that whoever leaves the arena and has to take care of whatever they need to take care of and puts their weight loss journey on the back burner comes back to us. I hope we can all link arms and charge forward. When one of us stumbles, I will hold out a hand to pick you up and we will move forward. And um, in sharing my experience, strength, and hope, you know, that's what we always say in Al-Anon. In Al-Anon meetings, it's not supposed to be, you know, in 12-step recovery, everyone's sitting in a circle and talking about how horrible their life is. No. (laughs) When my sponsor always says, when you're in an Al-Anon meeting, you share your experience. And that's like the little part. And then your strength and your hope. Um, Because that's where the faith is. That's where, you know, that's where the meat is. Is what tools, what steps, what mindset did you use to pull yourself out of the experience? And so I hope that in sharing my human experience with the sugar, the health, the derailing, the relapse, the binging, the trying to get back to basics, the pulling myself up, the stepping back in the arena, the knowing it's not going to be easy, the making tiny little steps forward. I hope it helps. Um, what am I loving? There's these things that I bought called the Cliff Bar Chocolate Chip Thins. Now, Cliff Bar scares me. I don't know why it scares me. I'm like, I was scared of protein bars. I don't know why. I've I was scared of protein powder and scared of protein bars. I don't know why. Um, Maybe because I thought like only workout people at the gym eat that kind of stuff and I don't. I've I've definitely in past my protein bar thing. I love Alani New protein bars. I've eaten the, the built bars. I appreciate my Quest protein chips. But for some reason I see Cliff and I just go, ooh, that's scary. But in a Target order, I picked up these Cliff Bar chocolate chip thins. Now, I don't think they're protein. They just have very clean ingredients. You get two of these thin, crisp bars for four points. And they are so good. They are not too sweet. They're not like... So, for example, I'm actually going to do a YouTube video about the foods that I that everyone raved about for Weight Watchers and I would get them and then binge them and they actually didn't end up being good for my journey. And one of those is the Kellogg's pastry thins that come with two in the pack. And all the Weight Watchers people over the years have like raved about those because they're four points. They are so sweet. And when I eat those, I want to eat 10 more packs of them. These Cliff Bar chocolate chip thins if you can find them, are not too sweet and I eat them and I'm satisfied. They have a really nice crunch and they're just fabulous. Another thing I'm loving is the Ezekiel cinnamon bread. It is two points a slice. It makes your house smell divine like you've just baked fresh cinnamon bread. It's not too sweet. It's low point. It's hearty. It's a hearty slice with a little can't believe it's not light butter spread. And it's just like a little fun winter little treat that just feels like a little, I don't know, cozy little indulgence. So I'm loving that. I put the whole loaf in the freezer and then I take out one slice at a time, stick it in my handy dandy toaster and it's just perfection. And then I'm loving fat-free cottage cheese 
with unsweetened strawberry yogurt cup, yogurt cups, applesauce cups. In back in the day before my health journey, I would get the cottage cheese with the strawberry preserves, you know, like those little packs and it would be, oh, so good. It tastes like cheesecake, but they were just astronomical points. Well, the fat-free cottage cheese and then the unsweetened strawberry applesauce cups, that combo gives you that same flavor profile as the other kind. And so I've been loving that, highly recommend. Another thing that's been on my mind is Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore came out with a line of cookware for Walmart. Have you seen this? Slow cooker, air fryers. I really want the Drew Barrymore um, air fryer that has two baskets that you pull out, but you can set the temperatures of each one different. You have to look it up. It looks amazing. And it's this gorgeous white with like the gold bee. Everything in this cooking line is so stunning for a kitchen. She does a crock pot. Um, so I've got my eyes on that. And that's kind of been on my radar. And then I just want to say, so I do have my YouTube channel that I'm going to be trying to come up with one video a week for health. And it was just so interesting to me. So I did a huge Costco grocery haul as like my first video back on this channel after not doing it for like over a year. And that video got astronomical for me views. Like I think it's almost up to 300 views or more. People loved it. And I'm like, that makes sense because those types of videos do really well. Like a lot of Weight Watchers YouTubers are filming these grocery hauls every week it seems I'm like I don't know how you can one afford that what are you put all this food um so that video just got amazing views and then the next video I came out with was a complete flop now that video it was my nighttime snacking meditation it could be a complete fail I am not saying it is God's gift to earth this video It literally could be an embarrassment and I should probably take it off my YouTube channel, but I'm refusing to. I filmed that before the health thing and or recorded it um, before all of this off the rails stuff happened. And it was a really profound video for me to, to prepare for because I had to write out the meditation and I really did it because nighttime snacking is something that I struggle with the most. It reaches about this time of night, which is around seven, eight o'clock. And I just want to go to the kitchen and pull out food. So I did this meditation-ish where it's really just me talking you through, you know, like, why nighttime snacking happens. You're not alone. We all experience it's like a pep talk. And then going into the questions that I'm trying to ask myself so that I can be in my experience, in my body, mindful. And um, it profoundly helped me when I recorded it. And I do plan on listening to it, you know, several times, maybe before like a five o'clock in the evening before the nighttime snacking witching hour happens. But I thought how it has like 12 views. I think like 12 people. So here I went from like this 
Costco grocery haul, 300 views. And it's not about the views. Um, obviously it was a little ding to my ego. I put a lot of love and like care into this meditation. And I was thinking about it later and I'm like, this is such an example for me of what the trap that I fall into, which is this grocery hauls. That's what, like, I love watching those on YouTube, just like everybody else. It gives me ideas. It motivates me. But it's not really being in the arena. For me, at least, in all of the times that I've done my health journey, it's, I'm always the person that like wants to get the planner that's all pretty and makes all the plans and plans it out for the the year and do like gets it all written in and has the stickers and, you know, gets all the groceries and comes up with the meal plan. And this is what I did pre, you know, losing the 40 pounds. I'm really good at setting up the whole dream, buying all this stuff, planning it out. But then when the rubber hits the road and I have to actually step into the arena (laughs) and make it happen with the challenges and life on life's terms, I want to step out of the arena. So the grocery haul is like the shiny advertisement on the arena jumbotron. But the meditation video on nighttime snacking is like being in the actual arena because that's the meat and potatoes. That's like, okay, you're about to nighttime snack. Here's something to listen to with questions to challenge. Why are you doing this? What feelings are you having? Like, let's really get to the heart of like what's going on here and how you can show up in better self-care. You know, maybe it is you need to reach for food and nourishment. What can that look like? Or maybe there's other self-care that needs to happen. And that to me is being in the arena. Those choices, the mental, there's no dreaming. It's like being in the moment in reality and mindfulness and like actually choosing the next best step. Um, so I debated taking that video down, but then I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm going to listen to it. Um, listen to myself saying it, I think would be very profound. And I'm not just going to make that YouTube channel. Honestly, if no one watches my videos, it is what it is. It's a channel that's helping hold me accountable, but I can't just put up grocery haul videos just because they get the most views. It's just, they're great. I, like I said, I love the ideas, but the implementation, that's not like, I don't know. It's just not, um, what am I trying to say? You get it. You get it. I'm going to move on. Um, so Yeah, like I said, I'm going to be coming up this week, hopefully on Wednesday, with a really diving into points and all the different ways to track points. If you're frustrated with tracking points, if it's overwhelming, if you're feeling resistance to it, if you need new ideas, that video will cover that. So be sure to check that out. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to tell you. Um, Just that I love you. 
just that I'm not going to listen to this podcast like I usually do on a walk and then post it. I'm just going to finish recording it and post it because I am doing way too much second guessing of myself. I hope you realize as you listen to this podcast, my goal is never to offend anybody, to never think that my life is better or less than or be dramatic or... I've just been spending a lot of time recently second guessing myself and micro analyzing how I say things and how it's going to come across. And when that starts happening and the, you know, obviously I need to have a filter, but it just really stalls me out from just picking up the phone and calling you. And it's not like anybody made me feel that way. I think it's just kind of exactly where I am mentally right now in this space and time. I feel like, I've got motions that are a little bit like um, stalled out and funky. And I just, I'm in just like a funky, I feel like I'm a middle schooler. Like I'm just awkward right now. And and what's the next best step? And how am I saying what I'm saying? And how am I showing up? I just feel a little lost, a little confused. And I think that's really normal. I think that's, um, that's okay. But that's, as long as I'm not stepping out of the arena and being like, peace out, I'm done. (laughs) It's actually a good experience to share with you. Like, I don't have this all figured out. I'm exactly like you, trying to piece this together. I have a lot of stumbling blocks. I'm very human. That was really scary there for over a week. I really hit a low and rock bottom. But here I am. We've got this. I love you. Um, step with me and be in the arena because I need you there with me. And let's move forward. What is the next right thing for you? For me, it is back to basics and um, being kind to myself and just tomorrow, probably stepping on that scale and I'm going to walk, be by my side, be with myself tomorrow as I do that. And just trust, trust and wait for, you know, wait actively for my miracle to come. Okay, I'm going to post this. Don't know how to end this. The dogs want to go out for a treat. I love you. Bye.